Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Notice he says, then he who sat on the throne, that's Jesus, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write these things, for they are faithful and true, or true and faithful. Do you believe what Jesus says? Do you believe him? Absolutely, we believe him. He's never lied to us. He never can lie. I am holding on to the Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio for today. Our scripture says, Behold, I make all things new. This is a brief glance at the things behind God's eternal plan. At this point in his plan of the ages, the plan is complete. All things are new. Our instinct is to romantically consider innocence as man's perfect state and wish Adam would never have done what he did. But we fail to realize that redeemed man is greater than innocent man, that we gain more in Jesus than we ever lost in Adam. God's perfect state is one of redemption, not innocence. Now here's Pastor Rob. Let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. I'm going to hopefully finish this chapter today. Last week we looked at the first four verses. This morning we'll hopefully get through the rest of it. It's such a wonderful time in biblical history as we consider this passage before us today because like you and I, all of us together, we are longing for that day when we will stand in, in, in glory and we know that when we, when we pass away right now, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We know that we're, when we die, this flesh goes into the ground and our soul and our spirit return to God and we are in heaven. And we are there temporarily until the Lord returns in his second coming. Not the rapture, but in the second coming. And then remember, we come back with him and we spend a thousand years on this earth ruling and reigning with him in new bodies. And then we will be there and for that time. And then the Bible says that after that time, that God will cause this current heavens and this current earth to dissolve with fervent heat. And there's conjecture on what that really means. And we'll get to that. But either way, it's going to be all, everything is going to be made new again. And then we're going to be inhabiting a city, New Jerusalem, and that will be our eternal state. There'll be no more transitioning at that point. That'll be the end of it. Does that make sense? 
In fact, I had uh, made a graphic, and, and I'm not going to really refer to this too much today, but I'm going to put it up there because really here at the far right side of the diagram that I put together, it really just gives a, a timeline of, the, of these end-time events or the end-time calendar. But it talks about the new heavens and the new, the new earth and new Jerusalem. And we are still back in the church age. You can see where there's a little thing that says, we are here. <laughs> it's like being in a mall and seeing a map and a little red dot, you are here. That's where we are at. So we've still got a long ways ahead, a long ways ahead. And most of it is going to be in bliss. Because after the church age is finished, when Jesus returns for us, and then we meet him in the clouds and the dead in Christ rise, and we receive new bodies, we'll be with him forever, and there'll be no more crying, no more pain for us. And I don't know about you, but I'm really looking forward to that. So looking forward to that. And so, let's look at verse 5 through 27. It says, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write these words, for they are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And he who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But notice, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, and I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, And showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also she had a great and high wall with twelve gates, and twelve angels at the gates, and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he he measured its wall, 144 cubits according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel, And the construction of its wall was of jasper, and of the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, and the tenth chrysoprase, and the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. 
And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And, there shall, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb's Book of Life. What a scene that is. Can you imagine? Are you looking forward to that? I don't know about you, but as I, as I consider the, the, the state of the, the, the world right now, and I, I read this description, I can't wait. I honestly can't wait. We, we've never experienced anything like this. No one ever has. Can you imagine the absence of sin, even in your own life? I mean, that, that would be a mind blower. To be having a, a body that's outfitted for eternity, a new body where, where you're, you're no longer tempted to sin. You've been perfected in a sense. We can't even fathom these things. And I love the book of Revelation because John tries to describe these things that he is seeing that is being revealed to him. He's trying to re- show us those things and he's trying to use a language And the language really fails us because there's no language that can really describe what he's describing here because he has to use so many similes. It's like this. It's kind of like this. It's like this in appearance. He can't really describe it completely. And that is who God is. He is, in a sense, he is unknowable, even though we do know him. But I, I, I would venture to say that I know him about like that. And he's okay with that. Because it's growing, but yet he is infinite. Let your heart be carried away with the infiniteness of God. Because as soon as you can figure God out, as soon as you say, Ah, I finally figured him out. Now I completely understand all the mysteries. Believe me, you haven't touched, even scratched the surface. It would be foolish for anyone to say, I've, I've got it. I, God always works like this. Sometimes God blows our minds by doing something that we can't even imagine. Confounding our wisdom. Because he is God and we are not. Therefore, it behooves us then to pay attention. It behooves us to desire to get to know this one. Who all of eternity is curious about. Even the angels, they don't know him completely. Otherwise, they'd be God. Let your heart be carried away. I'd encourage you, if you're struggling in your worship, read the first couple of chapters of Revelation where it describes Jesus in his glorified state, and then flip over to chapters 21 and 22 and read that when you're having a tough day, when you feel like everything's against you. Have you felt like that? Of course we have, all of us have. Perhaps when you're feeling ill, perhaps when the doctor has come to you and said, you know what, There's, you got this, and it's incurable. You got six months, you got a year, you got maybe three years. When you get news like that, where do you go? The world goes to the bottle. The world goes to drugs, but where can you go to? You go to the one who created all things. And you give your heart completely to him and let him completely have all of you. I would encourage you this morning, especially for those of you who have known Christ for some time, let him have all of you. May there not be a door 
or a room that has not been completely open to him. The time is short, folks. I know and I believe that Jesus is going to return for his bride, the church, soon. We don't know the day or the hour, but we see the conditions and the things that are happening. And Jesus said, when you begin to see these things happen, begin to look up because your redemption is drawing nearer and nearer and nearer. Every single second we're drawing nearer and nearer. And boy, I can't wait to be delivered from this body of death. Can I get a witness? So they say it down south, can I get a witness? And they get the robes and start moving. Yeah. Let's go back to verse 5. Notice he says, Then he who sat on the throne, that's Jesus, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write these things, for they are faithful and true, or true and faithful. Do you believe what Jesus says? Do you believe him? Absolutely, we believe him. He's never lied to us. He never can lie. He doesn't need to lie. When you know all things, you don't need to conceal anything. It's only when you don't know everything that you have to lie because you have to, you have to uh, justify things. But if you know all things, there's no reason to lie. You can just tell it like it is because you know it. Right? I love that. Think about that. And there is no one, no organization that can be trusted But Jesus alone can be trusted. His words, notice, are true, and they are faithful. He is true, and he is faithful. And notice he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And there is something wonderful about the anticipation of when something awesome is about to begin. Or when something difficult is coming to an end. When he says it is done, it is done. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And he says it is done. It is done. And in the scripture we find at least three places where something is declared finished or undone. We know that Jesus on the cross in in John chapter 19. What did he say on the cross when he finally was about to give up the ghost and pay the price ultimately for us. He said it is finished. To tell us day. You know this. Paid in full. It is done. It is finished. Our redemption has been paid for. And another time. Certainly at Armageddon. When the Armageddon is uh, coming to a completion. In Revelation chapter 16 verse 7. What does it say? It is done. God's judgment has been completed. It's done. There's no more that's necessary as far as being on the earth, that is. And here we see it here. After he creates the new heavens and the new earth, it is done. It is done. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to it being done. Looking forward to things wrapping up here on the earth. And notice he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And you know this, the Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet, and Omega is the very last word. It would be like saying, he is the A to the Z. He he is everything in between. And by the way, even though he says, I am the Alpha, the the A or the Aleph in in the Greek, in the the Tau, the, the Omega, even though he says that, do you understand that he existed before the Alpha? He existed, he's going to exist long after the Omega. He's always existed. He's always existed. In Genesis chapter 1, what does it say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He was already in the beginning. Because what does it say in John first, John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus. In what beginning? His beginning? No, in our beginning. In the beginning, when he said, 
when he created all things in that beginning, the beginning for us, he was already there. He existed before then. In fact, it would be a few thousand years down the road from that time when he created all things that he would be tabernacled and come into, he would be incarnate in the Virgin Mary, the virgin birth. Do you believe in the virgin birth? You better. (laughs) Because otherwise we're wasting our time. Yes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Word is Jesus Christ. He was in the beginning with God. That means in the very beginning, He created all things. He was already there when He was creating it. He spoke it, and He spoke it into existence. And then in Revelation 1, verse 8, we saw this in the description of Jesus early in our in the book of Revelation, where it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He says it again. And in Isaiah chapter 44, what does it say? Verse 6, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am, in the, I am the last, and besides me there is no God. I think if God knew if there were anybody else, he'd be certainly declare it and go, I'm really not the first, and I'm really not the last. You know, there's this other guy who came before me. No, there was nobody before him. He knows of no one, and if he doesn't, then I better not go scratching through the woods trying to find out. You can try if you want, but he says, I am the beginning, I am the ending, I am the transcendent one, I am the one who always existed. And folks, let your heart be raptured with that knowledge. That is so wonderful. What a wonderful thing that is. Notice in verse 7, and as we come to verse 7 and verse 8, we're going to see the confirmation, really, of the eternal state for for the believer and for the unbeliever. We'll see that in both of these verses. Notice in verse 7, for the believer, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. You and I have overcome sin or overcome the evil one because of the blood of Christ. We have overcome because of what he has done. We have overcome. We have overcome. And notice, he says, you shall inherit. You shall inherit all things. You shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. In Romans 8, 31, uh, Paul said to the Romans, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You are going to inherit all things. You know that fancy house on the lake? going to be yours maybe we should just maybe the church should just go to all these fancy places on the on the shores in california and the eastern seaboard and just walk in and say oh, this, it's mine i don't know you, you have the deed of this place right yeah but just scratch that out it's really mine. i'm only kidding of course but all things are yours all good things are yours god you will inherit all things you will inherit in fact, when he says that, it, it, this phrase is very reminiscent of what we see at the end of each of the seven letters to the seven churches that Jesus gave to them. Remember, in Revelation 2, verse 7, to the church of Ephesus, he says, To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life. We're going to see that next week, the tree of life in this new heavens and this new Jerusalem. We're going to see that. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. To the church at Smyrna, he said, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. We've talked about that, and boy, is that a depressing topic. To the church at Pergamos, what did he say? To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. 
to the church at Thyatira, he says, And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Isn't that what you're going to do when we rule and reign with him? We rule and reign with him. Certainly in the millennium. That's what we're going to do. And at Sardis, what does he say? He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. To the church in Philadelphia, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven. And I will write on him my new name. That speaks of ownership. When you put your name on a football, guys, remember when you were 10 years old and you got that that leather football? What would you do? You took a permanent marker and you wrote your name on it. It's ownership. And that's what God does with you. He writes the name of the city. He, writes, he gives you a new name, and he writes his own name. I mean, how much better? It's, it's triplicate. It's a trifecta. He writes his name on you as a stamp of ownership. I, you belong to me. I don't know. I love the fact that I belong to him. I no longer belong to the devil. Before I gave my heart to Christ, I was completely unaware of this battle. I was completely unaware of my, my decrepitness. I knew I was decrepit, but I didn't know the depth of my depravity. And then God gets a hold of a life. He saves that life. What a joy it is. I'm so glad I belong to him. Do you belong to him? Say yes if you do. Yes. And for those of you online, speak up. Yeah. Yes, we belong to him. And if you don't belong to him, today make it your decision to belong to him. He wants you to belong. He wants you. He He wants you. I wish I had my my hat on, my red, white, and blue hat. Yes. To the church at Laodicea, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. But notice in verse 8, he says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We looked at this last week. We really don't need to go over this again. But notice again, the Lord reminds us what will not be present in this new heavens and new earth and in this new Jerusalem. These individuals will not be there because God has already dealt with them. We saw that at the end of chapter 20 in the great white throne judgment. They are cast. Unfortunately, they, had, they made the decision and God granted them their decision. They will be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. And again, the, the lake of fire was not created for people. It was created for the devil and his angels. We know that from Matthew, that, that they, this place, this place of uh, Gehenna, Jesus called this lake of fire, Gehenna, this final, ultimate place of uh, Judgment for the wicked dead. They will spend an eternity separated from him. And this word Gehenna is is translated as hell. Jesus used it often. And I will just give one example here. In Luke chapter 12, he, he said, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after he has killed has power to cast into hell. And that word hell is Gehenna. And he's speaking of this place of eternal torment, the lake of fire. We talked about that last week. He says, I say to you, fear him. Fear him. In Jerusalem, uh, back in the time of the kings, there was a place right to the southeast of the Temple Mount called 
the Valley of the Son of Hinnom. And it was basically... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.